What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. And here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady underneath. Caught ball, Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons. And what a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Throws up the middle. Hats intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directed. Oh, so the end Battle of Intercepted. Picked off of the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome to another episode of the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And we are the Salty Dogs. We are. And if we sound a little upbeat, it's because we've had... What, five days already now to get over the last loss? Yeah, we had a mini-bye week. We had a mini-bye. That's what I would call it, yeah. A weekend to putter around the house and watch some, watch some football. Yeah, watch a little football. baseball, watch a little football. Got rained out last night. That bummed it me did. Out. Me too. I was all excited for that. But then I ended up watching the uh, Browns and... Uh, yeah, which was all right. Yeah. The Browns just they keep beating every time they beat Cincinnati. It's amazing. Well, any uh, given day. So, in a little bit, we're going to uh, welcome in a guest, and that's going to be Jackie Davidson, the Senior Director of Football Research. I'm excited to hear about her job. Mm-hmm. I, well, uh, you're a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. It's true. And, um, I mean, just, just listen to this description in her bio. Davidson is, respo- is responsible for supporting the front office and coaching staff in roster and strategy, tra- strategy decisions. Strategy is kind of a tough word to say through research and development of analytical tools and methods. So I want to find out what that means because it sounds like a very interesting job. We're going to find out. I mean, if you like numbers. Yeah. Well, some people don't. But even if you don't like numbers. Well, there's much more to it than that. Yeah. It's not just, you know, the front office of a football team is not just watching film. You have to look at other things, you know, there's. Yeah. And and jobs are growing, too. Yep. New jobs. And then, you know, it's not like. You just, hey, I want this person, let's get it, or I want to trade this person. You know, you got to find another partner. You know, there's just. You got to decide if the value is right for your team. Which I find interesting is the the value. Yes. That is the big key. Which is a topical topic at this very moment because we are topical topic. (laughs) Uh, We are 45 minutes away from the trade deadline. Yeah. As expected, um, the Buccaneers have not done anything in either direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there's still time, but I wasn't thinking it was going to happen. Um, we'll know by the time this is airing. Yeah. Because we're 40. Well, in fact, we'll probably still be talking when the trade deadline by, passes. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- isn't it they just have to have it in by 4 yeah, o'clock? Yeah, you so don't you could find out a little, a little bit later. later. Yeah, yeah, but probably not too much later. All right. I didn't, I didn't really know what the opportunities were g- going to be for us. I don't know, because first of all, if you're going to trade, who would you trade? Do you really well, you trade you know, picks usually well, at this yeah. point? Yeah. So, the, I mean, for instance, the, the Dolphins – trade with the Broncos, they got Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. and they gave up, I think, a first and a third, and they also swapped – no, I think that was Miami and San Francisco. They, I don't know. Somehow Chase Edmonds is in that deal and Jeff Wilson. So, Yeah, uh, he was part of – Miami traded him along with the picks. Yeah, but how did they get Jeff Wilson back? Was that a separate deal? Yeah, it's hard to figure out. It's um, jumping. 
TJ Hawkinson went from the Lions to the Vikings, and yeah. I think people's first reaction is always, I'm surprised they trade within the division. Uh-huh. But um, that doesn't seem to be holding people up that much. No, anymore. no. no. And then uh, the weird one, because most, most of these are teams that are contenders or think they got a shot, but they maybe need help in one or two places. Uh-huh. So that's why the Vikings, who are 6-1, and one, go to get TJ Hawkinson because they didn't really have much at the tight end other than Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the Dolphins, who – really are having their offense is interesting enough to make you think they could be a very interesting team. And they did, they could use some pass rush help. So they're like, let's go for it. And they had an extra first round pick still from the Trey Lance trade. So, but then you got the bears who traded away Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. I can't figure that all out. of a sudden trading for chase Claypool. Yeah. The, St- the Steelers, what are they doing? Well, I think a lot of Bear fans have asked that question for a number of years. <laughs> you know, period. Yeah, this is a new this is a new group, though. You know, it's a well, new management now, and they're not the ones that drafted jo- Justin Fields either. Right. Well, yeah. there's there's that too. You know. Well, this looks like a move where they're trying to help Justin Fields, and they haven't done a lot of that yet. They look like more like, hey, we're tearing this down to the studs, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna well, we're a ton st- of draft picks and, and start up and, and go. Cap room. Yeah, yeah, but. Anymore. I mean, well, the, you thought the Rams were the ones like just trade away your draft picks and go, go, go. And it did work for them. They won a it Super did. Bowl this year so much. They're struggling it's the same as we are. But, you know, when you when you pursue that sort of strategy and you trade high draft picks for established stars like Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller, mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford, it works right away. But what you're doing is you're making your margin of error more difficult because they have done a good job of, of getting depth in the later rounds because they've still had later round picks. But you're still not restocking your team with second and third round picks. So what you end up with is a team that's kind of thin beyond its stars. Now, you're going to win football games sure. just because you have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they picked up Bobby Wagner. And then if the rest of the guys are pretty good, your team's going to be really good. But when you lose an Andrew Whitworth yeah. and you lose Odell Beckham and you lose Von Miller, you don't necessarily have the resources anymore to replace those guys. Right. And you happened to hit when you brought Von Miller in and he made a big difference. He made, and he's making a big difference. No, it worked. Buff- yeah. And he's making a big difference in Buffalo, too. Yeah. If, if you were a Rams fan, I don't think what I just said wouldn't isn't a. It's just a fact of how that sort of team building works and what the side effects mm-hmm. are. But I'd take it any day. Sure. You find any formula to win a Super Bowl, and I'm a fan of your team, I'm happy about it. Even you, mean if like, they, you mean like signing Tom Brady? Like signing Tom Brady, which <laughs> will probably only happen once ever. Um, uh, well, he, maybe not. Well, signing, well. He could choose to keep playing, and then he'd have to either re-sign here or somewhere else. Sure. But right now, we just got to figure out how to win a game, and that seems to be the... I think the funny thing is there's times that I think we're not that far away. We're not. Because, like, I'll give you an example. One of the underrated problems for this team right now is third down, the difference between offense, it's called third down differential. Uh What we're allowing and what we're able to do. Accomplishing, yes. Especially in the second halves of games, and it's very strange. It's funny you're saying that. I was walking down the hall talking with someone about that earlier, 
And I just made the comment, if we could just figure out third downs on both sides of the ball. It would change a lot of and things. And they stopped and they go, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. And I just said, well, you know, we're third and long and, you know, don't get, you know, we, if you don't give it up, you get your defense off the field. Case in point with the Ravens game, you know, the first quarter, almost the first half, you shut them down yeah. pretty much. But then once your defense was out there for a very long time and part of it was on them because they were giving up third and yeah. long. And the other part was on um, the offense for doing three and outs so quickly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you never like three and outs. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of, so what game. you end up with is the Buccaneers on offense are t- tied for 25th in the league in third down and, and realize this team was close to 50% third down conversion last year. It's like a team record of something like 47 or 48. Uh-huh. And then on defense, the Buccaneers are 25th allowing 42, 11. Right. And, and the other crazy part is the being so ineffective this year in the red zone or yeah. within the 20-yard line. And that also is a double-sided problem because the Buccaneers are 29th on defense and tw- tied for 29th on offense. Yeah. So. And these are areas that the Buccaneers have been good in in yeah. the past years. So mm-hmm. either it's variance and things will well head back towards the mean or – this team fundamentally isn't as good at those things as they used I, to be. Yeah, I like. It's like you said. I don't think the team is as far off as everybody else has jumped off the bandwagon saying. Now you know you lose five out of six. There's a tendency to say, "Hey, something's not right." Well, clearly, yeah, there is. Right. There are things that aren't right. Right. So it's a question of what can you get fixed and how fast can you do it, and when can you do it against what team? Because not necessarily the one fix is going to help you against one team compared yeah. to another. So. This one isn't necessarily the one I would like to have next, not because the Rams are also struggling, obviously, but they've had our number over the last couple of years. Yeah, but I like what Todd Bull said uh, early on his radio show that it doesn't matter who, what the next is. It's about us. It's about us. He's he, him saying it's about the team. It's about the Buccaneers. It's what they need to do to win, not what the other team has to do. So I kind of appreciate that. It doesn't matter who it is, but I, I'm with you on that. The, the Rams do have a tendency to somehow – Get it together, kind of like the 49ers have the number of the Rams. Yeah, exactly. They beat them like eight straight times in, in the, the regular, regular season. season. Yeah, including last week. So Pretty handily, yeah. too. So you have that. Well, we also have news of sorts oh, yeah? this week. Not not you, Everybody knows already, but obviously putting Shaq Barrett on injured reserve. Uh, that that <clears> was crushing. Bad. Especially yeah. when he was really playing well in that yeah. game. Uh, no question. I think that, if anything, that's going to be – that that's – that's that's a big hurt for the team. I do think that Anthony Nelson can do a credible job. So he's probably going to go from 30 snaps a game, 3% of the snaps mm-hmm. per game to probably about 75% of snacks. Sta- snacks. He's going to have yep. all the snacks. If he plays well, he will. <laughs> he, um, he got a chance to play basically as a starter and get 60, 70% of game snaps in the last three weeks. Uh, of last season, and he did well. He had mm-hmm. a sack in every game, had a, a fumble recovery, had a pass defensed, like five tackles along. for loss. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he said the thing, and I think somebody else said it earlier this year. I like it, though, when they say they're talking about him getting more time. He's like, well, the philosophy I learned is it, don't count your reps, make your reps count. Right, and he has. And he has. So uh, you're weakened rotationally, and I wonder if the Buccaneers might try to find somebody. Um, you know, to help with that. Because mm-hmm. now you're down to four, and your fourth guy is Jannard Avery, which really wasn't even in the plans until after the season started. Sure. 
So you're weakened rotationally, obviously, but I do think Anthony Nelson will will do a good job with his uptake of snaps. Yeah, I, it'll. Well, the the other part too is is that I guess the best way to say it is your stars have to play like your stars. Yeah, and and that helps out when other things. And I thought Shaq was really coming. He was having a great game. Yeah, he was uh, during the Ravens game. Yeah, a sack and three tackles for loss. Yeah, I think he was helping us keep Lamar Jackson a little bit in check, but. Things got away. Well, but that's what happens when you have injuries. That's those are the things that you just got to figure. You know, like like they all say, no one's gonna cry for you. You just got to figure yeah. it out with the guys you have. And as long as we're talking about roster moves at this point in the show, sure. Uh, the Buccaneers. It was really a funny uh, on the same set of moves that we put Shaq officially on IR uh-huh. Monday. It was funny that we signed two players to the practice squad. And they were both guys that were on the Super Bowl team. Yeah. And, well, there's there's a reason for that, too, is because you don't have a lot of time to coach people up, you know, into the system, and they know the system. Yeah. So you could plug and play if you need them. Which I think is- that's more relevant to Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. because he actually did play a reasonable amount on offense the last couple of years. Ryan Smith coming back a little bit early in his career. Uh, that's the cornerback, the Bucks drafted in the uh-huh. fourth round in like 2016 or something. Really, it kind of developed more into a special team star and really mm-hmm. good at that. And we do need a special team star. Why? Uh, KJ Britt? Yeah. Yeah, but he'll be back in a couple weeks probably. I don't know that. Right. But still, you still need help right now. Yeah, but you got to get them up to the – you yeah, got to have a way to get, get them on there. the active roster first before he can make an impact on special teams. Um but yeah, he was he was great. He was particularly good at that downing the ball inside the five yard line on mm-hmm. punts. Yeah. So if he gets a chance to get out there, that'll help your special teams. Um, so the Buccaneers were leading that game ten to three. Yes. And in, against Baltimore, and ended up losing twenty seven twenty two. Yeah. So now the Buccaneers' record since Tom Brady arrived, when leading at halftime, is nineteen and one. It's crazy. It's the first time in a Tom Brady start that the Buccaneers have taken a lead in halftime and lost. And that's how differently things are going right. this season. Right. In previous years, last couple of years, I think the defense would have remained strong deeper into the game. You know, they, like you said, they were so good in that first half, allowed one field goal, and that was after a muffed punt gave them the ball to six. And unfortunately, you could start to see them getting tired because that's what happens when you, you start getting sloppy tackles. Yeah, you're plus, not getting to the gap fast enough. And you have to chase Lamar Jackson all over the place. And there's a lot of running around, yes. The Would they have 200 and some yards? Yeah, something, like some, something crazy like that. But, but it snowballed after the second half. So their well, first three drives of the second half were all long touchdown drives. Right. So you, it just – the first half defense – it couldn't be maintained, and I don't think it has everything to do with guys getting fatigued because the balance was okay in the mm-hmm. first half. Right. I was kind of hoping. I was kind of hoping. Well, of course, you know, you come out and you score immediately in the third quarter, and we were three and out, and we were only like minute and twenty seconds off the clock. Yeah. Which, which sometimes I wonder. I get it, but um, you know, like you don't take all the time off the clock, especially if you're trying to get your defense. A, f- a few more you minutes mean to start the second half. No, not well. Period. Just any time is because we weren't really in that hurry, hurry up offense. I do like it when we do go to the hurry, hurry. Well, up it's offense. it's had a good history of working. Mm-hmm. It's sort of jump starting the offense when it's not firing on all cylinders yet. I keep I keep that game seems so long ago, but it really <laughs> wasn't. 
Yeah, well, almost a week. So, as I mentioned, the Buccaneers only made only turned the ball over once, and it was mm-hmm. on that fluky play where D. Delaney runs it. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that play? Smart play on their special teams guy. What do you mean? I mean when he push him? Yeah, because that's a legal that's a legal move. Uh, the funny thing about how that play is scored, I always find it interesting when plays in sports are scored in unexpected ways. Uh-huh. I mean, recorded. Yeah. D. Delaney, because the ball hit him, uh-huh. he actually gets the credit for a zero-yard punt return. Uh-huh. And the fumble, which is good because it shouldn't go on Jalen. Uh-huh. Who, by the way, is quietly doing all right. He is. His, his punt return average is like 10.5 or something. He's like eighth or ninth in the league. I mean, that's not bad. No. Nope. I'd like to see one or two huge plays, and maybe they'll still come. But as we've mentioned before, on punt return, special teams coaches say three things. First, you have to catch the ball. Good idea. You have to catch the ball. I don't think he's had any trouble with that in his career. No. Second – We'd like you to get us 10 yards, 10 yards of net yards back. Fair. And then third, if you can add big plays on top of that, that's the third thing. But if you can do one and two consistently, yeah. you'll, you'll well, keep if your you job. Don't, if you don't do one, you're not getting two yeah. or three. Yeah. Just, that's my, that's <laughs> that's my football works. knowledge right there working. <laughs> so that was our only giveaway of that game. But unfortunately, that still allowed Baltimore to win the turnover battle mm-hmm. because for the fourth game in a row, the Buccaneers did not produce a turnover on defense, and it's confounding. It is. It really is. This defense, since the only other time the Buccaneers have gone four straight games without forcing a turnover was in 2018. That was right before Todd Bowles arrived, first as D.C. and now head coach. Since 2019 under Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers, the PR puts out that stat yeah, list every no, week. Numbers, among, yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was, but the top yeah. two or top five something in terms of number of turnovers – a turnover differential, and points scored off turnovers right near the top of the league. That was true from the beginning of 2019 right up to week four. And, and, and then week five, somebody turned the spigot off. Yep. And it has no. – And it's completely dried up, and it's unbelievable. It Yeah, it's almost defying odds right now. It really is. I feel yeah. like we should have a game where we suddenly have five takeaways. I'm hoping it's this Sunday. <laughs> I'm hoping it's every Sunday. <laughs> well, I, I'm not – Listen, I'm not greedy right now. I'm all about one game at a time. Asking, there's nine There's nine games left. Not worried about anything other than... So you don't think asking for five turnovers in, in one game is greedy? No. That sounds a little greedy to me. Is it? Yeah. Well, better I wonder, than... I wonder what your Christmas look, lists look like. Well, I'm just saying it would be a good way to get out of the, uh, out of the um, zero column of turnovers. If you're going to have one, they snowball. So maybe you get one, two, yeah. and when they get the five on Sunday, I'm texting you and saying, <laughs> there you go. And I'll say, I'm glad you were greedy. Yeah, that's right. Greed is good. Greed is good. <laughs> um, wow. Wall Street. Wall Street. 1980s movie reference. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, but it, at times like these, it makes me think of, and we've talked at times about mm-hmm. being spoiled by success mm-hmm. and how a lot of people are reacting right now to this. I, I got a point I'm getting to. This unexpectedly bad start and how people are reacting and, and some of it is because they've been a little bit spoiled the last couple of years, right? I still am spoiled. Do you remember when the Buccaneers defense in the first Super Bowl era went like 50 straight games in an NFL record in which they had at least one sack and at least one takeaway? I do remember that. That is insane. There was a little bit of overlap. I think they had 79 straight games with a sack, but with both 50 straight games in the Monty Kiffin defense. Yep. With one second, one turnover. I'm not surprised it's a record. 
I haven't checked in on it in recent years, but I assume it's a record. Still. Yeah. But that's amazing. It and is. that's how we get spoiled. So I'm like, yeah. where, can, where are the turnovers? Well, I find it interesting that I guess the last couple of years really have spoiled many, many people because there certainly were a lot of Buccaneer wins. And you were going into games thinking you were going to win a game. And when you didn't win the game, you were kind of like, wow, I'm surprised we didn't yeah. win this game. And so we hit this skid, and it's amazing how many people are just just off the bandwagon. Like all of a sudden, the entire coaching staff has no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, you know, the front office doesn't know what's going on. These are the same people that brought you a Super Bowl just very shortly, you know, and it's a, and I get it. You got to win to stay relevant. You know, that's what people want. But, you know, we are hitting a skid that I don't think anybody foresaw, but it seems like it's that way throughout the NFL right now. There's only a couple teams that are, you know, good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we'll look at the Dallas Cowboys. When we saw them play, they, they lost to the Buccaneers. They didn't look like it, but they're five and two right now. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're at that point what we've talked about before. It is November, and if you're if you're ever going to turn is it now. on, yeah. If you're, ever, today. if you're ever going to turn it on, now's the time because. Well, you it'll know, be too late if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, and. You know, there's no easy games in the NFL. There's just right. not. It's, it's, Everybody says, you know, oh, well, that's that, that'll be easy. That'll be. No, there's not. And what's crazy about all of this, as bad as it is, and, and as unhappy as Buck fans are, or as unhappy people are about losing like this, you're only a game out of first place. With, with a win in hand against the first place team. So you'd have a tiebreaker. We could be back in first place by Sunday. Yeah. By the end of business right. on Sunday. And and so you say, well, do you really want – someone said to me, well, they're playing so bad. Do you really want to get in the playoffs? Of course you Yes, because you don't know who's going to get – always got a shot. Washington was 7-9 and nine when we started our Super Bowl run. And they played us hard. They – yeah. There's there's worlds. If there's infinite universes mm-hmm. like some people believe, there's worlds where Washington beat us in that game. And the Super Bowl never no, happened. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think they were going to go all the way, but no. you just never know. You got to get a shot. And I like the odds of Tom Brady, yeah, getting into the playoffs. I like those odds. He tends to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does tend he, to do that. He, he, His he, seasons generally don't end, and in week eighteen. And interesting enough, I was listening to him on his um, uh, podcast and his Sirius Satellite Let's Go program last night, and um, he sounded different to me. He just sounded like things are moving on. He he addressed his divorce. He addressed his um, thought it was funny. He addressed uh, Halloween and taking the kids out trick or treating, and he wanted to make sure that he could uh, have a costume that no one would know it was him, so the kids could have a good time. And then he showed his humor, saying that uh, you know at his house they'll be giving out avocados and almonds, and and then made the comment if we did that my house would be totally toilet paper. Yes. So I didn't, do people still do that? I, not, I haven't seen that in my neighborhood. Okay. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that in my neighborhood. Did you have many trick-or-treaters? Uh, we had, we seem to have had fewer and fewer yeah, in the last couple of years. Yeah, like nothing. And I don't know, I'm not making some no. social statement there. I just think my particular neighborhood, all the kids aged out and they, we don't have any new ones yet. I, well, I think a lot of people go to parties. But anyways. That's it, true. It, it, what, back to what I was saying about Tom, I just, he just sounded a little, little bit different. You know, I, you know, I'm hoping that. Um, he did talk about uh, focusing on different aspects of his life and how he handles it. So 
hopefully, you know, things are uh, turning for the better in, in his life and then in also for us in Buccaneer life. Well, I can tell you one thing. He's trending towards a, a another record. A couple of them, really. Yeah. You want to talk about those? Uh, he, he's got one already, and that's most sacks. Most times sacked? Yeah. Oh, did that happen this past week? It did. That's the that's the kind of thing that's like Nolan Ryan has like the most yeah, walks, right? I yeah, mean, if you play forever. Yeah, you play until you're 45 years old. Yeah, speaking of Nolan like, Ryan, did you see him throw the first pitch out at 63 years old? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, it was, it, was a, it was a heater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the stat. Uh, no. When was this? What game? Uh, the Astros game, I think Saturday. Um, yes, Philly Astro game. Oh, okay. So, so uh, anyway, what yeah. I was talking about is yes. one for one thing, he is like, I think, let's see, I got the number right here. What's that? He's 164 yards away from having 100,000 career passing yards with the playoffs included. I, that is, that is impressive, but you know, what's more impressive No. for you to look up that stat. You didn't go to your computer. <laughs> you spun your chair around, pulled a drawer open, put your head down and then gave me the stat. I don't know what's in that drawer, <laughs> but it's a magic, magic drawer. drawer. <laughs> no, to pull the curtain back. Yeah. I had figured out that number oh. uh, last week, I think, after uh-huh. the game. Because I knew that he was close, and I, I, was, I wanted to write a story in advance so we can put it up right away. Okay. And after I had done the math, which wasn't hard, uh-huh. I was just adding two numbers together. I, um, I'm like, you know what? Let's that, just let's just keep, keep that. So I just put yeah. the, tucked a little sheet of paper the fact right that, there. The fact that you knew it was in I there. I knew where it was. <laughs> I like the magic drawer. Also now. Write, write, Bucks beat the Rams and put it in the magic drawer. <laughs> okay. Let's see what happens. Um, also, since he didn't get picked off again for the seventh straight game. That's amazing. He is at 315 consecutive passes <sighs> without an interception, which is a bucket of record by a long shot. Yeah. He I'm beat sure. his own record from last year, which beat his own record from the year before. So he has the three longest streaks in team history, but now this has entered the realm of NFL top. What's the top? Aaron Rodgers uh, in 2018 had a streak of 402. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady, you may have heard of him, uh, is second on the list with a streak of 358 spread across the 2010 and 11 seasons. How? Yeah, I'm listening. Okay, and then Tom Brady's the current one is fifth. Yeah. There's one quarterback that owns both, both the third and fourth longest. He's an active quarterback in the NFL today. Matt Ryan. No. Nope. Uh, okay. Um, he's he's starting right now. Like, Matt Ryan lost his job. Okay. This guy is a starter in the league right now. Carr. Yeah. Derek Carr? Yeah. Well, he's played a long time. So it's, <sighs> Just, yeah. He has two of the four longest non-streaks, two of the four longest streaks of passes without interceptions in NFL history. Uh-huh. Derek Carr? Yep. He's not as bad as everyone thinks he is. Oh, I don't think he's he bad. You know, but the names here are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and, and Derek, Derek Carr. Poor Derek Carr. I mean, I would say people probably don't know this about Derek. No, I'm not saying poor Derek Carr. He's kept his starting job in the league for a long time. Yeah, he's done it. Yeah. And if the Raiders decided to go another direction, say next year, there's going to be a team that'll, oh, you, that'll want him as a starter. No question. I mean, you'd rather be starting him than Sam Ellinger in Indianapolis, right? Wow. They're pro- you do. Woo. <laughs> well, they're probably going to go. Yeah. Indy's Indy's done the whole try to keep things yeah. going with the veteran with yeah. Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz and then Matt Ryan, none of it really worked. No, uh, well Philip Rivers was okay, but um, but he retired. I think they're finally going to have to go the go. Ro- the rookie route. Yeah, 
But so. that's hard to do when there's a veteran out there that you can pick up and maybe maybe give you a bridge. Yeah. Maybe you the, know? the Houston Texans who, who destroyed his brother, David oh. Carr. Yeah. Maybe he could play there and get some redemption, or they could get some redemption. Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of play. Maybe is, is Jared Goff done in Detroit? Is this the last year of his contract? Uh-huh. Detroit. There's a lot of places I could maybe use a guy. And I would think Derek Carr would be one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. So I agree. He's not bad. But I still would have, got, would have guessed a long time, especially if you didn't know it was an active quarterback right now, uh-huh. before I would have figured out that he was the answer. Cool. So that's interesting, right? It is. hope so, since it's a podcast that's supposed to be keeping people well, interested. Well, it's, it's unknown stuff that you would not know. You can't get it anywhere else. So the running game. <sighs> hmm. You can debate. Okay, now we can go on. (laughs) You can debate how important the running game really is Mm -hmm. in the NFL these days, but I don't think you can have an absolutely just stuck in neutral running game Uh and have a consistently good offense. I think you need to be able to run the ball a little bit. No. So right, I mean, I think this opponents have rushed for one thousand and fifty nine yards. That's more than twice the Bucks four hundred ninety five. And that, I mean, that right there says that the running game does matter a little because we're three and five. Sure. Well, yeah. Flip that number around. I bet we're not three and five. Mm-mm. Or even it out. Somebody in PR fed me the stat after that last game that our 271 rushing yards in the last six games. Because you remember, we were great in Dallas, not bad in New Orleans. Right. But since 271 rushing yards in six games is the second worst total in a six-game span since 1965. Only Whoa. the only the 88 Patriots were worse. So it's it's kind of getting to historically bad levels at this point. Yeah. And it's a combination of a bunch of things and including game factors. You know, sometimes you just don't you can't run cuz you're in you're chasing a three touchdown lead in Carolina. Yeah. That kind of thing. You start throwing like crazy. I mean, we saw that a lot during the Jameis Winston era cuz the Bucks would get down early and yeah. then we'd be throwing the ball 50 mm. times, right? <clears throat> There's that, right? So <laughs> But also, yeah, so it, it's something has to happen there. Even bad running teams can get 80 or 90 yards. We're also last in the league in yards per carry at like 3.09 or something. Yeah. So what has to give? And we don't – and what you're missing is that occasional breakaway run that our opponents are getting. I mean, Baltimore only had one play – let me see here. I had this written down somewhere. This is good podcasting right here. Yeah. Well, you're looking at your stuff. You didn't open up the magic drawer, so that's Baltimore had one play in that entire game that gained more than 20 yards. One. One. Yeah. But they were pounding the rock, going a little bit. Pass. I should say one. I, I meant to pass. say pass because that's what I'm getting to. And it was the first play of the game that little crossing route to Mark Andrews, and we stopped that and drive. That's right. And that, that their theory was to attack our weakness, which was our our our. DBs, and it turned because out... Because of so many injuries. Yes, because of so many injuries, correct. And when that didn't work out, they went to what they normally do, and that is run the ball. They, 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 they The second half was who the Ravens are. That's a good point. That's just what it was. I hate to say it. It is. That's a good point. I know. And so... I want to make the mark on the board. That I got one finally? Yeah, that magic drawer? That's you going to start doing. Okay. I got uh, my magic um, drawer. You got your board. Yeah, I got my magic board. Um, We're going to have to keep doing the podcast in here, though. Yeah, so when you... When you um, 
talk about the running game. You know, gosh, you know, I mean, I guess you're going to have to say, well, the O-line needs to, to push more. Does the does it need a little bit of help from the tight ends to block a little more? Does it need, you know, does it, does it need to run it back to hit a hole more or to um, what? You know, it's a combination of all. I mean, if there was a magic, if there was a magic fix, they would. But I think I think just I personally think it's just, it's a combination of everybody just needs to work as a unit. Our passing game can be so good mm-hmm. that I don't think, and it has been proven the last two years, I don't think the running game has to be great. Right. But we aren't getting any of those occasional breakaway runs, 17 here, and that helps a drive move. Well, yes. And Obviously. It, and also, but also it goes, you know, until you can run the ball, I'm not afraid of, of it, so I don't need to stack the box up. I'm not, you know what, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. which, which hurts your passing game. Because, and the play action. Yeah, because they're not worried about you running. Or they're not going to worry about it until you can prove that you can run the ball against them. Our longest run this entire year is 17 yards, and we have 11 of them of 10 or more mm-hmm. in eight games. So well, just a little yeah. over one per game. you got to have a couple. you got to have a handful yeah. of those here yeah. and there. Yeah. Well, explosive plays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, explosive, explosive plays, plays on the ground. Yeah. We can get explosive plays in the air. We had oh, a, yeah. a 51-yarder to Mike. We had a 44-yarder to... Chris, I think we had another like twenty-eight yarder to Mike. Yeah. By the way, Mike, let's just right. let's just trans let's just Mike's, divert here into. If Mike you Evans. say Mike's the best, you're underestimating Mike Evans. Well, he's. I mean, it's not a, it's it's not anything unusual to say he's the best offensive player in no. team history. But, but I was just writing about Mike in a next gen uh-huh. story, and he's even. I mean, the fact that he's our leading receiver by a good amount, leading yards guy. Um, even though he missed an entire game, is probably enough to let you know that he's our best offensive weapon right now. But even when you go into the deeper stats, the next-gen stuff that you hear people talking about, right, but you don't necessarily know exactly what it means. So there's a stat called EPA, mm-hmm. expected points added. It's one of those things that it takes into account game situations. So a play, like a 10-yard run – from the 10 yard line in in a close game is more important than a 10 yard run in the fourth quarter of a blowout game in right. your own territory right okay it does more for the hopes that you will add points and it's also based on a crap ton of historical information that's been compiled all right i like i like the technical term that crap, crap ton. ton i usually uh, it was a metric crap ton oh. to be honest uh I, and so it's one of those stats that you can't I mean, some people surely do, but the majority of people who hear them or even use them in conversation know basically what they mean, but not really the nuts and bolts of how they're compiled. Mm-hmm. But if a play, if if Mike Evans catches a forty-yard touchdown, then they say that play has that that one point eight expected points added or something, and it adds up. But they also do it by play. Mike has twenty-nine point three EPA. Nobody else on the team has more than five point seven. Wow. His EPA per target, his EPA per route is 0.11, far and away the best on the team. It's funny because the, one of the, our best guys on EPA per target is actually Keeft because he's only been targeted three Two times. times, yeah. And he has an 18 and But you know what? Nine. Speaking of Co, he's doing well. He is doing well. He really is. He, when, when Tom Brady throws to him, he has a pass rating of 107.8. Nice. So... And also, Mike, 
they do thing called completion rate over expected. So somehow this next gen stuff has figured out, and they think what percentage of the pass is thrown his way that might that a person should have caught. Uh-huh. And then you look at what he actually did catch, and so it's either positive or negative. They thought Mike should have caught fifty-seven point six percent of his passes so far. He's actually caught sixty-six point one percent. So he's he's helping Tom by catching passes yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily be expected to catch. Again, those are stats that you kind of just have to take at face value. Yeah. But uh, another cool thing though is maybe this week if he can get what does he need now for. He be Mike Evans is about to get to ten thousand oh yards, receiving yes. yards, which would make him just the fifty-first player in NFL history to do that. He needs one hundred and twenty-two. Wow, that's this week. He got one hundred and twenty-three last week, so it's certainly yeah, doable. It's very doable. And another thing I like is that now you know we talked about this earlier in the season. There were a couple games where he didn't have a lot of mm. numbers, and then he missed a game, and we like to think about his streak. Yeah, he's the first player in NFL history. To start a career with eight straight thousand-yard receiving seasons, and he, so we, we'd love to see that keep going. And so now he's at five seventy-seven, and he's got nine, eight games. He's got yeah, nine, nine to games. go. It kind of depends. even if you go with eight to keep it from a sixteen thing, very doable. Pace stats are probably kind of counterfeit a little bit. If uh, I say he's on pace for this, yeah, but. If you consider it a seven-game average, like if you divide what he's done by seven, because that's how many games he's played, and then he has nine more to go, he was, he's on pace for 1,401. But if you think, well, it's really eight games played by the team and there's nine more to go, mm-hmm. his pace is still 1,226. Wow. And, and uh, we could also say he's almost to 600. We're not quite halfway through the season, so. He should make it, hopefully. Barring injury, there's yeah. a good chance he'll make it. Which is great. I want to see. Which that actually, he will do it in sixteen games because he was suspended. That's for what I was game. just saying. Yeah. yeah, I was reiterating. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Well, hey, we saw this. Was this earlier today or was this yesterday? What's that? Cadillac Williams, the oh, interim yeah. head coach. Uh, yeah, Very for Auburn happened yesterday. Very happy for Caddy. We both love Caddy. Yeah, great guy. I think I have no idea if he's a good coach or not. I don't follow college football yeah. that much. He, I was the Auburn. running backs coach, if I'm not mistaken. Right, well, it makes some so, sense. Yeah, um, I think it's a good PR move for for Auburn right now because he's so beloved there. I could bet that it's also a good culture move. Mm-hmm. Now he's interim head coach. Sure, so we're not making no, any assumptions. No, but, but he can make inroads. Certainly, he has. Um, you know when you have reading glasses and one of the um, screws is coming loose uh-huh. and you need to use this little tiny screwdriver to screw it back in? Yeah, it would be called you have a screw loose. <laughs> you need a second pair to of reading to glasses do to do it. Because uh, if I wasn't wearing my reading glasses, I wouldn't be able to see this see, well enough. Look at you, always prepared. Do you know what these things are called on glasses? Uh, I'm, I'm pointing to the parts. The, I can't remember. The, start, the stems, uh, I guess, that go across your ears. Yeah, yeah. I think you told me sometime They're before. called temples. Oh, that's right. Because they go I guess it's because I go past your temples. Sure. But I, I was like 52 years old before I knew that the word for these was temples. Did you really need to know those before you were 52 years well, old? I mean, I like to know things. Well, but if you knew it before then, then, you know, you got to look forward to learning new things. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, Mike Evans has 14.8 yards per reception, and the, everybody else on the team is combined for 9.1. So, if you're needing big plays, you know, yeah, where, you're going. You know where you're going with but that. But so does the opposition, unfortunately. Uh-huh. So, Caddy... I think it could be a good culture move because sure. when he was here, I was always impressed with unbelievable team player, total team player. Yep. 
Um, Mike Allstott was the same one. Very unselfish. And also unbelievably competitive. Uh Remember how he's a really good bowler? Yeah. And then, like, if they were playing a card game or no matter what they were playing, we used to have, also used to have games, Uh like pool Uh and stuff in that, in what used to be the players' lounge. Yeah, yeah. If it was a game, Caddy would play and he wanted to win badly. So So maybe that'll be contagious for them because they're struggling. I could see those things helping. Nice change. I mean, you know, it's probably just an interim thing, but good for him. Hey. You know, you don't get a shot at anything if you don't get the try, right? <laughs> yes. There you go. You miss 100% of the shots you don't try. That's right. Or the questions you don't ask. That, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> that um, game on Thursday should have been billed as the Battle of the Rookie Punters. Yeah. Because it had the two punters who were taken first and second. And? A few apart from each other. Who won that duel? I'll have to look up Jordan Stout's numbers because they could be good, but. Yeah. Um, our guy, Jake Camardo, was good. He's very good. So, yeah, in this draft, wait, year, this was yep. this year. Yep. That'd be. In the fourth round, the uh, Ravens took punter Jordan Stout okay. at 130. And then the Buccaneers took Jake Camardo three picks later. Well. And then they both played. Very well. Jake Camardo hit a 66-yarder mm-hmm. in that game. This is really a lot easier to do this podcast in my office because I know, I know. I get these you resources just, are right at my You got fingertips. stuff all over the place. You got more magic drawers than I ever looked at. <laughs> Jake Camarda has already tied our franchise record for most 60-plus yard punts in one season. Really? He's got six of them. Wow. I So Friday after the game, not as much to do. Mm-hmm. And it was about right before I was going to leave. I'm like, I want to find out because it felt like he hit one almost every week. Yeah. So it took probably an hour's worth of research, but I figured you out. You just had out. a good old time, huh? It dude? was easier yeah. going back through 94 because I could use um, yeah. stat head for that. But then uh, after that, I had to start looking at individual box game. scores. Oh, wow. You could eliminate any season where you saw that the Bucks' longest punt of the year was less than 60. Uh-huh. But still. But I did it, and that tied the record. So he's got nine more games, and I'm sure he'll probably hit at least one more 60-yard. Well, as a Buck fan, I appreciate you taking that hour and a half of your time. All right, so Jordan Stout of the Ravens had four punts. For 210 yards, 52.5 gross, mm-hmm. 44.3 net, mm-hmm. one touch, no touchbacks, two interceptions, long of 57. Jake Camarda, five, average of 53.4, so a little better, net yeah. of 44.0, teeny bit less, and that's because he had one touchback. Wow. But he had a 66-yarder. So nice. there's, that's our punter segment of the week. I like Everybody's it. Everybody's favorite. You got sure to. sure mark that down. Yeah, you got oh, to. Oh, I didn't prepare a fantasy thing. What do you mean? Oh, for my little fantasy minute. Well. Bet at least one fantasy. You can't just go on the fly. That's right. I will say, remember last year I had, last week I'd say, because two weeks ago I'd said, suggested Rondell Moore. You did. Of the Cardinals. And then in the next game he had a 31 catch, 31 yard catch right away. And then that's all he did. Mm-hmm. This past week Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore went off. All so right. I still think it's a good recommendation. If he's out there and you need a, a receiver depth, I would go with that. All right. See, look at that right there. Didn't look at anything. You oh, just, I got one. You, okay. What's that? Isaiah Likely. Do you remember who that is? No. That was the tight end that was carving us up on Thursday night after Mark Andrews. Uh, now, when you – Isaiah Likely, I think, was like a sixth-round pick, something like that, um, but was like a sensation in training camp. Um, let me see. He's a sleeper. He was, he was a fourth-round pick out of Coastal Carolina, and he goes to a team that has, other than Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the game right now, mm-hmm. at least from fantasy purposes. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey was starting to – I mean, Mark Andrews was starting to 
put up some numbers against us, but then he got hurt. And he came into the game hurt, but then he got another injury or mm-hmm. aggravated yeah, he, or whatever. Yeah, an elbow or something, yes. So all they did is just kept throwing the stuff they would have thrown to Mark Andrews to Isaiah Likely. And he and the results the were likely to be a team high six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Well, that's good for fantasy. In fantasy football, that is a real nice day for, for tight end. Oh. If Mark Andrews is hurt bad enough not to play this week, sign Isaiah Likely. So you need to look at you need to look at your Friday injury report. Well, what I would do is just if you can, if you can make it work on your roster, pick him up now. Oh, and then keep an eye on it and play him because if he is playing instead of Mark Andrews, he's in line to get Mark Andrews type numbers because he's uh, a good player. Yep, yep. So that's my guy. For and they're week. comfortable going to him. Uh, yeah. Now, if Mark Andrews can play, then it's not maybe going to work yeah. out as well. But well, he had a knee issue and then he came and he played and then I think he hurt his elbow or his arm. Do you or his shoulder, because he got when he got tackled. You know how they walk when the arm dangling. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's usually shoulder. Yeah. Right. But I can't remember who I suggested last week to know if it worked out. Well, I need probably need to start writing these things down. Could be. I think you should you should write those down, and then I want to know how well they did. But so I've been, I've been uh, doing that without writing it down. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if it's true or not. You're just giving me numbers. <laughs> I can I'm just like, tell you I wrote it down. Yeah. Well, I can we'll see. Wait it. till after the week and then say. Uh, Happens. I could say, prove it. You don't know when I'm going to say that. Continue. Anyway, that's my guy this All week, right. Isaiah Likely, and I did that on the fly. Very good. Nice job. All right. I don't have anything else, Jeff. How about you? Nope, we're good. I got. I, I got. I'm through all my notes. Are we through all your notes, Jeff? Uh ton of them. Your extensive notes uh, over there. They are. You can go get Jackie. Okay, I'm going to go get Jackie Davidson, and she's going to tell us about her very interesting job. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs Podcast. I am Scott Smith. I'm Jeff Ryan. And now our special guest of the week is with us. Yes. And that's Jackie Davidson, Senior Director of Football Research. Hi, Thank Jackie. you for your time. It occurred to me, Jeff, that I asked somebody from the Player Personnel Department to do a podcast one hour before the trade deadline. Yeah. <laughs> no Probably bad. wasn't a brilliant move, but apparently you got a few minutes to spare, so thank minutes. you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me. What I like is that her phone's sitting out right now, so I'm just waiting to see if it's... <laughs> I'm watching, too. Yeah. This I, is the most fun time of... I understand. So, Senior Director of Football Research, I could read from the bio and suggest what that means, but can you just describe what your job is? I don't, I don't really know uh, <laughs> what it is. I th- the way I usually describe it to people is that um, what I try to do is help compile information to help us make more informed decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, that really is sort of what it, what it boils down to, and I do that in – uh, two primary areas. So one is uh, salary cap and contracts because that's a, that's what a lot of my background yeah. was in. And then um, this year, kind of delving out into some other areas, uh, regards to coaching and and more personnel personnel matters. Does that any of that involve in game decisions? Like some of it. Um, it, it's interesting because I joined the team at a very sort of interesting time. I, I was the it was late summer of 2020. Yeah, and good timing on your part. It, very good timing on my part. Um, and I like to think I'm responsible for a lot of <laughs> success that we had that year. Um, but I think coming in when I did, it was more about kind of finding sort of you know where I fit in the process okay. and not trying to upset the apple cart too much. Just kind of come in and, and sort of pinch it and help out where. I, where I could and going into year three now there's you know I'm trying to take be a little bit more assertive and kind of put um, you know areas where I think 
kind of the research and I hate to use the word analytics, but those type of things can help us. And, and so I've been kind of getting more involved in sort of the coaching aspect and gotcha. kind of in game and, and, and sort of, you know, trying to help out there. When you say you do your research, can you give us an example of, I mean, the information you're looking at yeah. or. And, and like we said before the podcast, yeah. this is before she the, and other yeah. people back there are dealing with information that we're not going to share with no. the public. So he means this more in a yeah. general sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, Generally speaking, right or around the league, um, most people are kind of looking at the the same sort of information, okay. like what it, like in game, you know, whether or not it's uh, could be some type of expected points, you know, mm-hmm. win probabilities, like those those type t- type things. It's the same basic information. How everybody kind of gathers it and uses it may may be a little different. The the interpretation would be different, sure, or could the, be, or you know, it's going to vary from team to team what you necessarily what you necessarily do with it, or or um, you know. The numbers may not necessarily lie, but they are applicable to different teams in different ways. Okay. Um, depending on circumstances, depending on kind of kind of what you're dealing with. So, I think it's the same basic uh, information that people look at, but um, you probably do different things with it. Uh, a week or two ago at a press conference, one of the members of the media threw the term EPA at Byron Leftwich, and I know you know what that is, but I doubt that he has ever had to bother with that sort of stat right and yeah I think it's um it's kind of been around a while kind of in the in the in the the research and kind of analysis space um it's still you know one of those that um becoming more and more useful and again you know kind of and this is sort of why I alluded to it before with me coming in when I did and sort of kind of you know finding footing and then obviously we won a Super Bowl and there were other things that kind of took uh, priority, including, you know, signing a lot of our guys back and that and that sort of thing. So we're really just kind of starting to figure out sort of, you know, how we fit in that landscape and sort of what we want to what we want to do and how the, this department grows and kind of increases as we go on. When you talk about re-signing players or signing players and especially that incredible effort after the Super Bowl to keep the whole team together. Is is your analytics and or sorry, maybe that's not the right word. Is your your job in this uh, topic helping to analyze like cost value, like how much can we afford to put on this position or this player and so on? It can be. I think um, a lot of, you know, I hate to, to make it, it as simplistic and kind of, and, and please do as it possible, helps us out. But, like, <laughs> but no, it, it really is, you know, about getting information and good information okay. and, and, you know, figuring out player value and um, not just value in the market, but value to the team is part okay. of is part of that in sort of entire entire process. Okay. And you okay. know, I have a economics background, so it's it's kind of innate in everything that that I sort of do to mm-hmm. look at um, you know different margins and and how things you know what is the marginal value of this player versus okay. this player. So that's it's yeah. a but I think it as contract negotiators and, and, and salary cap people, it's naturally ingrained sort of in the, in the job. Okay. To yeah. Do and and you did that for a long time with the jets, mm-hmm. correct? Um, and you have a law background, mm-hmm. which I guess is probably pretty common for people in your position. It started becoming a lot more common. I think when I first uh, took the job with the jets, it wasn't um, as common then, but I think the majority of people probably have some type of legal background now. 
Was it Mike Greenberg that recruited you to come down here? Because I know you worked with him with the Jets. It was. He was. It was funny about it. He was actually my intern yeah. <laughs> at the Jets when I, I started in 2007. Wow, that's awesome. And he became my intern in 2008. So you really coached him up well. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd like to think I taught him something. <laughs> what What got you into sports? I mean, you're an, you're an attorney, and you worked for um, the judges. Judges, mm-hmm. and you were also district with the district attorney's office in Alabama. Or I was with the the same so the same courthouse that I clerked. I uh, ended up going back there to spend another year and worked at a, as a pro se clerk. And it's basically you know kind of a a pseudo you act in sort of a pseudo judge role for um, oh. pro se. Uh, people sort of defending or advocating for themselves gotcha. in those oh. type cases, most of them dealing with prisoner cases. So you do a lot of the kind of the lower level decisions before they get to judges, a lot of the, uh, the early motions and, and those type of things. I guess that goes back to Jeff's question. Cause that sounds very interesting to <laughs> yeah. me right there. And it sounds like it would have been a nice career path too, but you chose to go into sports. Well, that, that was more of a, a detour. I think I, um, okay. when I think I knew that sports was kind of the direction that I wanted to go in. Okay. And so what ended up happening, I, um, I did a an internship with the management council, NFL management oh, council, cool. when I was in law school. And then so when I graduated from law school, I ended up clerking for a year and then went back. And then the job, that, one of the jobs I took, I had with the Jets, the entry-level job that I had opened up. And that's how I ended up back in the NFL fold. But you, you went into the Jets as an entry-level and you just worked your way up. Mm-hmm. See? That's how it works a lot of times. Well, not always. <laughs> Look at you. Um, <laughs> I've plateaued. Yeah, yeah. You, I've you plateaued. peaked. You peaked years ago, my friend. <laughs> so, Jackie, you've been giving us some idea of, of what you do on your job, but the bottom line for you and everybody in your department is you're trying to help the team win football games. And you came here, and you've experienced a ton of that the last couple of years. This year, they're all, again and still are high expectations, but nobody's happy. I'm sure to be off to a three and five start. So. What is it like back there? What is the mood? How um, how sure are people that, that the team is going to find a way to sort of straighten things out? Uh, I think every day you have to have the mindset to come in and, and try to get better. And that's if we were, you know, sitting here right now at 3-5 and five or, you know, 6-2, uh, and 7-1, whatever that record is, um, because even when you're successful, I think the tendency is to, to be complacent. So to guard against complacency and understanding that the goal of this league is to make everybody average, right? right? So it pushes yeah. everything towards I the I think middle. you guys are doing a really good job in the <laughs> NFC South right now. <laughs> and so, so That's I think, a really good point. I know. <laughs> so I think, to, I think to fight against that in general, um, you have to come in with uh, with the mindset of you know how can I help this team win today? How can you know what can I be doing to to help us get better? And that's if we're you know winning or if we're if we're not. So that I think I don't think the mindset can can change. And I think that um, when you have sort of that idea always in the back of your head, it kind of these lulls get a little bit easier. You don't probably go that's up good. and down mm-hmm. as much that's because. Good. You know, the mindset doesn't change. And then all it, you know, you're going back and you're evaluating everything, but the mindset of how today, you know, how can I help us be better doesn't change. What's the most fun of your job? What's the most, what you enjoy the most out of it? Terrorizing Mike Greenberg. Oh, <laughs> well, then join the club. We're all in on that one. You uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, seriously, I, I, um, when I started sort of down my career path, I wanted something that, that enabled me to work with numbers and work with 
you know, legal aspects of things. Okay. I always, um, I was one of the few people probably in law school that didn't have, you know, like a history or an English major or political science background. I've always just gravitated more toward a, a numerical side of things. So being able to incorporate both of those into what I do every day is probably the most That's, enjoyable aspect. That yeah. makes life really good. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you combined several of your top interests and, <laughs> yeah. and it ended up in the perfect job. Most people can't do that. And, yeah. when, and, and when you first started getting into sports, women weren't in as much as they are now. Sure. And so um, what would you say to a, a, a person who's thinking about trying to get in, whether they're male or female, into sports? What path, what's the best path they should take? If they want to do what you do, which is analytics, drafting, player contracts, you kind of you kind of dabble in all of it. Yeah, I think um, my advice would be the same as I would give for anything. You know, find what you're passionate about, and then see what sort of fits those passions. Um, like I said before, you know, my two of my passions were were numbers and, and law, and pretty pretty early, and then I always. Uh, I mean, I'm from Tuscaloosa, so I always kind of love football. Um, so oh, once yeah. you can, <laughs> you know, you find the you find. Do the they have a team there? It's a it's a semi pro, um, <laughs> but you find the things that you that you're passionate about, and then and then kind of explore that angle. One of the things that I always end up talking to people about is, you know, a lot of the jobs, even within this organization, within football itself, didn't exist, um, you know, until. Yeah call it a decade or right, so ago. Right. So there's so many avenues that that you kind of, you know, do the research and kind of figure out what is it people do? Like what are all of the aspects uh that kind of make this this train go and and then, you know, kind of tailor that to what to what it is you're looking for. Well, that was fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're certainly a team player. <laughs> no, you are. I mean I mean if you think about what she said when she she was trying to find her niche and 2020 win the super bowl and you know you're growing the position what helps this team the most i like it okay well thank you we promised you 10 minutes i know it's in a very busy time of the year and the day so we very much appreciate your time and and letting our fans hear a little bit about what your job is no problem the salty dogs and now we're back here on the salty dogs podcast for our last segment i like jackie I, was, I mean, I always have liked Jackie, but I'm just saying I liked what she had to say. I thought of the idea of asking her if she'd be kind enough to come on the podcast because I read the description of her job and I find it very interesting. Uh-huh. And it was. Yeah. I also think I'm a little jealous. I was never specifically interested in law. Right. But I think I could have been. Sure. Cause and you're a numbers I did, guy. I did speech and debate and you know, won some awards in high school. So I think I could have spoken, although I know a lot of lawyers are are actually in the courtroom all the time. But I think I could have been fine at that. And I love numbers. So combine those two things a little bit and end up in, and then also be in sports. And I love her dry sense of humor. Yeah, she nailed a couple (laughs) lines. (laughs) That's good. That's actually how I'm here, Jeff. Yeah. Her point of combining a few things you like. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Every, that is, if you can do it, that is obviously something sure. for anybody should aspire to. It's not exactly the same thing, but when I got to college at Northwestern and I was trying to get every kind of financial aid known to man, one of them was work study. And so you fill out a, uh, a sheet that includes things like what your interests are. Uh-huh. And two things I marked were sports and writing. And so I got sent to sports information, which is like PR for an NFL uh-huh. team. Yeah. So I spent four years in the SID office at Northwestern. And it was there that I saw the flyer 
that got me the interview with the Chiefs and the eventual internship, which eventually led right. to this. Crazy. So kind of like combining two things and ending up here. See? That's why you got to chase your dreams. So, you know, when she said that, that immediately made – now, hers is on a, a bigger, a grander schedule. Yeah. But it's the same, same idea. I, I, you know, I really liked when she said when she came in um, – because she has a lot of experience when she when she got here in 2020, but how she kind of assessed everything yeah. and where where she would fit in the best to bring her talents and then grow it from there. Which which I think if you ever changing jobs, that is the way to do it. You know, uh, to go in and and sit back. Yeah, for if a you second. can get that chance. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to have that chance. Well, that's some people true. have to take the job that they can get as is. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the fact that that took time to assess what, what she could bring to the table. Moneyball came out a long time ago, mm-hmm. and we were out of time, so I didn't ask her this, but the big lesson from Moneyball was that the team found and exploited the inefficiencies inefficiencies She's, in the system. Uh-huh. Back then, for instance, people in baseball weren't valuing OBP enough. Right. They were still looking at batting average. When a walk gets you to first just as well. So that was one of them. That wasn't the only yeah. lesson, I think, but I don't know for sure because I didn't ask her, that that's got to be part of her job as well. Finding and figuring out ways to exploit inefficiencies yeah. in the system, whether that be play calling or contracts, the type of players you go after. And I think that's what everybody forgets about the contracts and, you know, big like, oh, go get this person, go get that person. You know, you got to, there, there's a lot of moving parts to it. And just like trade deadlines, can you trade? What is out there that you want? Are, is the other team willing to trade with you? Do you have something that you can give up? Can you, know, you fit them under your shoulder? And cap? can you fit them underneath the cap? Yeah. So if you look at like the Waddle, I'm not Waddle, Tyree Kill trade mm-hmm. in the offseason, and Chiefs and the Dolphins, they're on two totally different path or, or approaches with that player. The Chiefs realized they were going to have to spend a huge amount yeah. to keep him on his next contract and did not want to invest that in that position because probably because they have Patrick Mahomes and he can make anybody good. Yeah. So th- for them, it was an inefficiency to pay that one receiver that much. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins looked at it the entire opposite way and said, this is the position you need to be investing in in the NFL right now, so it's we will happily pay him that much money, and that's going to make Tua Tungapaiola better. Yeah, and it's not it's not that you don't think he's a good player. It's no. just that it's your needs. And, and how much you have to how, pay for it. Yeah. And you see the contracts going up, and you go, okay, Devontae Adams got that. Tyreek Hill's going to mm-hmm. want at least that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we just don't want to pay that. But the Dolphins on the other one are like, Yes, it's perfect. And we get value for him. Same thing happened in Tennessee and Philadelphia with A.J. Brown. Uh-huh. And and the, what I'm getting there to is all four of those teams are doing well. Yeah. You can succeed in different ways. And it's and that's kind of what her job is about. Yeah. Most people think when you trade one guy, one, one, someone's on the short end of the stick on a trade. That's that's not necessarily the case. It's a win-win. It can be. It and can certainly be. Yes. that Tyreek Hill one is a great example yeah. thereof. All right. All right. Questions? questions? This is from Richard Bartoli. Okay. Greetings from West Virginia. All right. It is said that attitude reflects leadership. Oh. Mm. It can be. I don't know. It is said. It is said. One thing that really seems lacking is anger over how the Bucks are playing. Mm. Hard disagree. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know how you would make that statement. I'm curious what he is basing that on. Well, other he, than looking at TV and maybe you see players that don't seem upset enough. Yeah, but you don't see these players when they are upset. They are supposed to get over it. They have to. Yeah, they shouldn't be upset today. They they need to be mm. focused on what's next and confident. Yeah, there's there's um because I can tell you for a fact that the media and the fans are angry. Yeah, there is um there's a ten minute cooling off period after a game's over with, and the doors are closed. And when we say the doors are closed, they are closed. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's plenty of there's anger. plenty. Of, I there, mean, Tom yeah. Brady was screaming at his offensive lineman in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and then everybody always said, "Why are you screaming at everybody? I you think, can't be screaming at everybody." So, so either way, but well, I think this next sense is going to reveal a little okay. bit of what he means. I really love Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He is a genius, but I am beginning to question his ability to determine the attitude of his team. So mm -hmm. I think he's calling out Todd Bowles for not being yeah. angry enough. And there's uh, the name I want to throw at you, and you probably know who I'm going to throw at you. Tony Dungy. Yep. You don't have to scream and yell to get your point across. Correct. And I, you know, Todd, Todd's a, we, everybody's always said he, he's, when he's out there on the field at practice, when he was a DC, he was, he talked a lot of crap yeah. against the other side, right? He he's, does. he's not quiet out there. See, I can guarantee you he gets mad. Now, if you're in the same streak right now and he's ranting and raving on the sidelines, people would be saying, you know, he's so out of control. He's not handling he can't, it. He's not handling it. So I understand the question and I understand why you would think that, but I, I can't agree with you on this at all. Yeah, and I don't even know if anger is the right thing. No, you you, you need care. Yeah, right. That's what we're talking about here. Right? And you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, you're managing sixty some different personalities, and you're managing kids right out of college to people that have uh, children and are married. So there's there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff you're not going to see on the sideline during a game, you know. Usually you go into a game with a game plan and you try to stick to it and make it happen because those are the things that you found that you could do to beat the other team. So I I, I get it because Todd's a little more. Um, well, he seems very. He, yeah. He's also, but he's got a biting tongue. Oh, though. he's he, got a sneaky ooh, sense of humor. Yeah, he can get you and you don't even know it until you're on the ground bleeding. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with the premise of the question. But I appreciate you asking that question. Bruce Arians always seemed on the edge of losing his temper. Yeah. Todd Bowles looks as calm as can be. Yeah. I wonder if this does not set the tone for the whole team as no one, besides TB12 on the tablet, seems very upset during the game. Oh. Your thoughts? Well, we know a couple of people that work on the sidelines yeah. during the game, and they report back to us many instances of guys being upset. Yeah, and we get that a lot um, with our sideline reporter, TJ Reeves. You can see body language. You can see it when you – Watching a game on TV and watching the game on a sideline. I've never watched a game on the sideline, but from what the guys have told me, it's entirely different. You have a whole different vibe there. So, um, again, if you're winning, you're thinking that calm demeanor yeah. uh, is a good thing. So. Okay, so this next one comes from Eileen Figueroa. Okay. Who, if you recall, that was the – woman who sent in oh yeah yeah the question where i didn't read the whole thing sure and i did read it and i and i understand what she was saying yeah now we appreciated the email as a whole but oh, yeah. there was stuff in there about Tom yeah Brady, it was a little, little personal, personal stuff, stuff that yeah you and i just don't really want to talk about on the podcast well in fairness it was personal stuff of him and her observation of it so, so it, I, yeah. we just didn't feel it was necessary but we did read some of it and uh, appreciated a lot of it sure she says hello scott and jeff i hope you both are well 
Thank you. After reading my letter on the podcast, I decided to write again. Ah, good. I sounded like a lunatic, <laughs> and thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Why did we make her sound like a lunatic, or did the letter make her sound like? That's a lunatic? what she, she she's saying. She reread it. Okay, and now sort of agrees with us. Okay, but I understood what I understood what she was saying. I must have been having a senior moment when I said Todd Bowles instead of Brian Leftwich. Oh. Which I agree with you guys. You can't fire a person because things are not working out as you expected. Uh-huh. After all, it is a different team. I mean, you can. Yes. But I also was trying to kind of point at the entire track yeah. record, not the last six games. Correct. Um, I like Jeff's comment about football Football being an escape for three hours. I love football, and now my seven-year-old grandson loves it. That's good. Oh, that's good. Believe it or not, I spend my Sunday watching football. Why would I not believe that? Yeah. And on Monday and Thursday. Good. Not only do I watch the Bucks, but those teams in particular who will be playing against it. Oh, she's like I, scouting ahead. I do that. You know, I, I I watched the New York Giants-Seattle game. She probably watched the Rams-San Francisco in this And game. I went back and watched the Rams. Yes. Always. How did you do that? Did you tape it, or how did, how did you go you, back and watch the game? You can, NFL pass. So you have that. that. You can go back into that. Um, that's the – that. I always like I always like um, looking at a team be, just before we play them. I guess you could get the all twenty two and have a better version of it, but the TV copy's more entertaining to me. Not only do I watch the Bucks, but those teams. Oh, yeah, I said that already. I have a question, so I may explain it to my grandson. Okay, this is a little pressure here. Sure, because I have to be honest. I don't quite understand what this means. Well, I'll throw it at me. When they say a player is running a four ten, and she has it four slash ten, like four tenths. Uh huh. When they say he was, play, was running a 4.10, hopefully I'm using the right number, what exactly does that mean? I don't know. What, I've never heard running a 4.10. Do you think she's talking about running a 40? Maybe. If you're running a 4.10, you're a little slow, aren't you? Well, a 4.10, what does that even mean? That means... Four seconds? No, no. 4.10. No, that's not slow. That'd be incredibly fast. Oh, okay. Um, but... You're running a 4.10. It's 4 slash 10, not 4.10. Oh, if she means, Eileen, if you mean running a 40 or running a 410 or a 420 or a 430 40-yard dash, uh-huh. what that means is they measure speed at the combine and at pro days by making them run a 40-yard dash. I don't know why that became the standard, but that's what it is. And so all almost all these guys are really, really fast. Yeah. Um, so to the point where if you're a, a receiver who runs a 4.6, you're going to have a hard time making. That means it took them 4.6 seconds to run the 40-yard mm-hmm. dash. So somebody like Tyree Kill is – Probably in the like four two four three range, yeah. And, and you know Mike Evans might be more like a four four five or four five. Uh huh. He's got deceptive speed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they mean. If I'm not getting this right, maybe you can write us a third time and explain it in another way, because I don't know otherwise what running a four ten would mean. Yeah, I don't. Need but that. I would like to help your grandson know yeah. understand more about football. Yeah. Um, okay. While many have given up on the Bucks, I haven't. Good. I'm sure they will get it together because of all the professionals they have on the team along with the staff. Until then, we must support them. The last game was a heartbreaker, but we will get it together. Thank you for listening, and please put me down for a T-shirt whenever you guys decide to offer it. <laughs> Go Bucks. I do want to say one thing. I did read her entire letter. Yeah. And if I took out uh, Tom Brady and I didn't have anybody's name or anybody's relationship in it, and just read her letter on her thoughts of um, the way she would approach a relationship. I could un- I understood where she was coming from. But what gave us the curveball is we're making assumptions that that applied to another relationship. 
Did I just make sense? Well, it was kind of a bit much, you know. So, next one. Ready? Go. This is from Philip Schwadron in Orange County. Yeah, he says Westminster is the city. Um, oh, okay. Hey, S-Dogs. First of all, I like saying S-Dogs because that's what my students called me when I taught high school. Oh, wonder why. His last name is Schwadron. S-Dog. S-Dog. Okay. Since the games these days are hard to talk about, I'm going to pick your brains on another matter. Uh, You've done a Bucks Mount Rushmore before and uh, debated who should be on it. Now, this was a pretty good amount of years ago. Yeah. Okay, it was before Mike Evans' career began. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the obvious choice is that we have three Hall of Famers. Right, you have to put them You on. kind of start with them, which sucks because I would really like to put Rondé Barber on there. No, I would. But a Mount Rushmore is four. So at the time I did it, I felt like I had to go with the three Hall of Famers. And then, which I guess, no, wait a minute. We have four now, because this was before John Lynch made it. So it was Leroy Selman, Derek Brooks, and Warren Sapp. And that's fine to have start off with three defensive players, because the majority of this team's history has been a lot more about defense. Correct. So the fourth spot, I'm like, I got to get somebody on offense. And, and at the time, it seemed obvious to me, Mike Allstock, which could still be a good choice. It's a good choice. However. He had the most touchdowns by a long shot. At this point, Mike Evans has surpassed him in, in touchdowns right. and has – a ton of other records. So if I were doing this again, I'd probably have to go with Mike Evans, although it wouldn't, I would wish I could find a way to just say Mike and put them both on there. There, Oh, yeah, there you go. But anyway, he wants, he says, you've done it and blah, blah, blah. How about just quarterbacks? So it's a Mount Rushmore of Bucks quarterbacks. Oh, okay. Three are obvious. Tom Brady, Brad Johnson, and Doug Williams. I, I think you have to agree with that. Yeah. Two won the Super Bowl, and the other one was, he's in the Stellar. ring, of, he's yeah, in the ring got, of honor. And he got him to the, got him the championship game. Who's the fourth? I'd like to say, this is him. I'd like to vote Ryan Fitzpatrick just for that stunning two-game run that opened the season a few years back, followed by the greatest press conference in team history. You know the one I mean, chest uh, hair. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Phil Schwadron, Orange County, California. So who's the fourth quarterback? Uh, I My pick, I know who I'm going to pick immediately. Go ahead. Uh, Steve DeBerg. Who had an 8-29 and record as a starter. Yep. That's your guy? He was there for two seasons. You're two gonna different say, stints. Yeah. Are you going to say – are you going to say uh, Vinny Testaverde? I think it has to be Jameis. He, he's like, oh. he's the all-time leader in, why in passing I, yards and why, touchdown passes. Why didn't I think of Why didn't I think of him? If you go down the list, I think you know why because he's with the Saints, and I can't. I you know. So if, if you go down the list of our, yeah, that's a good choice. You're if, right. If Scott. you go down the list of in terms of winning percentage, yeah, it's, it goes Tom Brady, yeah. and then Sean King, but only 22 games. Sure. Jeff Garcia only 24 games. Yeah. Brian Greasy, only 21 games. I don't even know how you pick one out of those three. You can't. Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer? Yep. But we didn't win anything during that time. No. And even when we made the playoffs in 99, he Stru- was he was he out. John King yep. was in. He, he got yep. two playoff games in, seven, in 97. Won yeah. one of them. Yeah. Hmm. And then Josh Freeman. I don't think that's the choice. And then Jameis Winston. Yep. So if you combine the fact that he started 70 games. Yeah, it has to be Jameis. Okay. I mean, I don't feel great about it. No, no, but no, no, no. That that was that was that was okay. That was a major oversight on my part. Let's move past that because this is my okay. this might be my favorite email. All right. That we've ever gotten. Okay. And it's long, but it's helpful. Okay. This is from Mark Rice, who is from Mesa, Arizona. Deutschland bound dogs. <laughs> I have been fortunate to visit Germany a handful of times and have a few tips to offer those in the Buccaneers community traveling to Munich, specifically around a major part of Bavarian culture, beer. Yeah. 
When you order a beer around Munich, you are likely to encounter the question, encounter the question, man size or lady sized? Man size. Which comes down to whether you would like a full liter, approximately 33 ounces, or a half liter, approximately 17 ounces of beer. Yeah. While fun and cheeky the first few times, this is quickly revealed to be a tactic to play on tourists' machismo yep. in an effort to upsell your beverage purchase. Sure. I'll illustrate how one such interaction played out. Okay. Me. May I, may I have a half liter of Dunkelweizen? Server. I'm sorry, sir. There seems to be a mistake. You see, those these size beers are for ladies. You are not a lady, are you? Little kid at the adjacent table. Ha ha. That man is a lady. Ha ha ha. Me. Fine. Give me the man sized. Oh. Again, it's cute the first few times this happens, but as good as German beer is, you just don't always need a full liter of it. Stick to your guns and don't fall for this. All right. I like it. I like it too. That's a really good tip. I think when we're, if we, if we're out in a beer garden and they do that, we'll goad our coworkers into, oh, you're going to have a lady beer? You're going to be a lady beer? Yeah. And then I'll just get a lady one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean- to be fair, there may be times when you would like a 33-ounce sure. liter of beer. Yeah. Uh, okay, on to recommendation number two. If you spend any time in one of Munich's storied beer halls or beer gardens, there will likely be a band playing. Yes. A few times per hour, that band will strike up Excuse me, a specific song that will cue the crowd to, to stop their conversation and sing along. Uh-huh. That song is called... Roll Out the Barrels. No. Ein Prosit. Oh. And it means... A toast. Oh. And it's quite literally that, a prompt for the crowd to toast. It's a lot of fun to join in on this ritual, and the song itself is quite easy to learn, and he included a, a YouTube video link of it so we can learn it. Okay. An even better way to learn is to make friends with the locals sharing your table who will be more than happy to teach. Yeah. I hope all who make the trip have a wonderful time. That includes celebrating a Buccaneers victory over the Seahawks. Safe and happy travels, Mark from Mesa, Arizona. Oh. P.S. Oh. If an after-dinner drink is your thing, don't overlook schnapps. German schnapps is a complex, pleasant sipping liquor mm-hmm. that bears no resemblance to the thick, sugary nonsense that <laughs> Grandma used to make a fuzzy navel once per week. <laughs> Give it a whirl. Prost, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh-huh. P-R-O-S-T. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. Those I are do. two very good tips. Very, and that last like, one, at the because I, I saw the word schnapps, and I immediately went, nah, I'm not doing yeah. that, because I can't stand schnapps. Right. But apparently, if it's not the same thing. Right. Like, same I, name, I shouldn't like schnapps. I don't, that, that, he's exactly right, that sugary, sugary sweet liquor, yeah. that makes me sick. Yeah, I, I can't do. I don't I, I can't do sugary drinks at all. So, that's a very, those are two very good recommendations, I do re- and I appreciate it. I do remember the band striking this song up and everybody, because uh-huh. I was at a beer garden in, in Munich before, and <laughs> it was an outside beer garden, which was pretty cool. I think it held like 7,000 people. My goodness. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Holy cow. And they re- they they are so efficient. Like, wow. when I got there, I was like, Just oh, think how man. much beer they're selling. Well, I know, and I was thinking, this is going to take forever yeah, to yeah. get anything, and I hate standing in line. Man, you just breezed right through it. I mean, you you had to be quick because if you wanted a pretzel, you got to go because the people behind you are going, "Come on, come on!" You know. Makes there used to be. It, go ahead. There used to be a video game for like Atari where somebody would be slinging mugs of beer down the table oh, and yeah. catch them real quick. I wonder <laughs> if that was based on beer gardens. Maybe, but it's it is a very unique experience. 
Actually, it was like you were in a you were in a hall with like five or six tables, that, all having beers slung down, and you had to move back and forth to try to catch all of them. I mean, we're we're still focused on the Rams game, but next week we'll talk a little bit about Germany. But there, really, we're not going to have a whole lot of time. I know, but it, it, maybe some fun. time on Saturday, right? Then try. I'm going to try to get to one of these beer gardens. Yeah. And now well, I, you have, I'll know what to do. Yeah. If you've, it, it, yes, you have you've to, done it before. Yeah, but you have to make time to go to one because it is a very unique Hopefully experience. there's something near our hotel. You know what you would like to see, but you probably won't? Uh, is the Enigma? It's in Munich. Oh, it's at the museum. Is that the? Um, is it a device to yeah, decode? The code, yeah, the code breaker that during World War cool. Two. It, it, it. Why is it in Munich? I I'm not really sure, but it took me a long time to find it because I kept walking by it. <laughs> <laughs> is my what? is my historical memory of this wrong? I thought that was the Allies who had the Enigma. I thought so too. But it's it was in Munich. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'll look that up and see if it's a possibility. I'm pretty sure that was interested. Munich where we saw it. Because I'm yes, I'm almost positive. Well, there's, there's possibilities here yeah, that a I'm wrong, yeah. and it was it wasn't the Allies that had the Enigma specifically, or there's a reason why it's been moved to Munich, you know, in the in the years that have passed. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you can you, you never know why, you know, but no, we'll talk about that. Next All right, well, what else you got? I'm getting nothing. I'm getting up to stretch my legs here. Oh, okay. I, that's it. it, Jeff. That's the last question, and or it wasn't even a question. It was a nice bit of advice. Uh-huh. I like it. I like the fact that you're taking time to guide us because we definitely need help. Well, you've even been there before, though. I, I right. I definitely need help. No, it'll be good. It'll be fun. That's it, Jeff. All right. Since you did, thanks for listening. <laughs>